Okay, you guys can you can take your seats. You guys can take your seats, and um, and you can lift the lights up just a little bit so I can sort of see. Every- Hello, <laughs> I just got to see you uh, just then. Um, well, I'm a city slicker, and uh, I'm, I was in the United Kingdom for uh, 29 years, and I've been back in Australia for two and a half years. And uh, and I thought that I was coming to the country, but. But Port Lincoln isn't actually the countryside. Uh, I've heard it said from Rob that it's actually a suburb, a long-distance suburb of Adelaide, and uh, seven hours long-distance suburb from Adelaide. But uh, I've been mildly impressed by it. It's a, it's a town, but it doesn't act like a town. It acts like a city. And I would say it's the same uh, having having met uh, Rob and Pauline, that, that this is a church that acts like a city church. And I would say, right, that that, that that causes sometimes consternation because some people want it to be a country church. And I would say that, that some of the friction that has happened here and all around the place is that is that when you do when you do have a big vision, people with small visions uh, feel neglected by it. But I would say don't change course. Have a big vision. Walk with big strides and big vision. And uh, when you do, uh, provision catches up with you. And, uh, and then experiential reality catches up with you. It's vision first. I think it was uh, someone said to Helen Keller, what's worse than being born deaf, dumb and blind? She said, having sight but having no vision. And, uh, and you want to continue to be visionaries. But I want to congratulate you as a church that you've, um, you've kept your shoulders back, you've kept your, your backbone up, uh, you've kept walking. And I've got to congratulate you uh, for that, that there's a, there's a steeliness within the life of this church that will prove to be a correct steeliness. You know, there's, there's revival coming to God's church. There's an incredible future coming to God's church. And if you could just hold your ground and keep your nerve, uh, then I think that uh, you're in for an incredible surprise uh, from the Spirit of God. Um, I've got three words for you in this message, and that is uh, you want to get up, you want to brush yourself down, and you want to start again. You want to get up, brush yourself down, and start again. And, uh, and that's, that's as simple as this message is going to go. The title of the message, uh, when it comes up, is Fail to Win. And, uh, and I had some other titles like failing forwards or failure's not an F word. You know, there's, there's a number of different permutations, but, but it's all about, about realizing that failure's part of the equation. And, you know, I, let me say this about failure, that 50% of your failures aren't actually failures. They're signs of great attempts. And there's no such a thing as somebody succeeding without failing. I think sometimes people revise history and they want to make themselves out to be more successful than they actually are. And so they eradicate all of the potholes of failure. And yet the road of success is filled with potholes of failure. That nobody's ever succeeded uh, without failing, including Elon Musk. That nobody suddenly emerges with the golden, with, 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 um, uh, with, the, with the Midas touch. You know, people with the Midas touch have grown a tree on the road of, on the road of failure uh, t- that covers up the potholes of failure. But, but that's all. It's not as if they've never failed. And, and I think sometimes as a church, you can feel like you, that you're meant to go from summer to summer to summer to summer. And nobody goes from summer to summer to summer. We thought Hillsong did, but even Hillsong doesn't go from summer to summer to summer to summer. Everybody goes from summer to winter, and or summer to autumn, then autumn to to winter, then winter to spring, and then, and then back to summer. 
you know, and some of you need to realize the, the season you're in now is a transitioning season. It's not a permanent season that you're on your way and the beauty, the beauty of, um, of a tree when it loses its leaves and it's not actually losing something, it's making a way for next year's leaves. And I think if you could realize that, that, that there's, a, there's a measure of Gideon's army upon, uh, upon, upon, upon one heart church, that, that, that you're not losing something, you're making a, you're making a space for not just the next generation, but a space for God. You know, Gideon could have thought, gosh, this, this is not going too well because we're about to take on, you know, 50,000 Midianites. This isn't going too well. Yet it was going exactly according to the, the, the blueprint that God had for Gideon's army. And, and you know, we need to, we need to have, have a reassessment of failure at realizing that failure is often a precursor for incredible success because it's not actually failing anyway. A tree doesn't fail when it loses its leaves. You know, a tree's just getting ready to grow its roots in winter and it's getting ready for a brand new harvest time that's coming upon it. And, and it's the same with your church, that God's getting you ready for an incredible summertime. He's grown roots and, and, and he's growing roots within us, but he's getting you ready for an incredible move of the Spirit of God. Um, you know, as I said, people rewrite history because people hate to fail. People, people don't like failure. And, uh, and, you know, I remember, I remember that, that when we went to the United Kingdom, within the first couple of years, we planted a church in an eastern seaboard town called Hull, if you know Great Britain. We like to call it Hell. And a couple came over from, uh, from Australia to take on uh, the church then that was a satellite church of our main church in Sheffield. And we went there because of the Hillsborough disaster where a hundred people died, uh, got suffocated. Then we, we felt a flick in our heart to leave Brisbane uh, where it's uh, sunny one day, beautiful the next day, a perfect one day, beautiful the next day, and then go to um, the depressed heart of England. But even our movements were based on a, a, a failure in a soccer stadium brought around and, and encouraged us to bring revival to a place that, that, that was, you know, the depressed heart of the United Kingdom. And so these guys, they gave it a go for a year and a half and then it, it failed. They came back to Australia. We wrapped the remaining number of people into a local church in, in Hull, in Hell, and then we had a break for a while. But the next church plant we did was in Manchester. And, uh, and we, we sent, uh, you know, I went, used to go over every Sunday night and every Wednesday night. And, and, uh, and we'd been doing it for about three or four years. And I said to my associate, uh, who was my youth pastor called Glenn Barrett, I said, because he was stomping around like a teenager. He needed to leave home. And so I said, why don't you go over to Manchester and if you like uh, preaching, if you like it there, why don't you make it your church? And so he went over. He loved it. Uh, he changed the name uh, from Hope City Church to Audacious City Church. And, uh, and today it's the largest church in Manchester. And he runs the, um, the AOG, which is the ACC, in all of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. But here's the moral of the story. You've got to have a hull, a hell, before you have a Manchester. There's no such a thing as, as going straight to Manchester. That nobody goes straight to Manchester. It's not zigzag, it's zag-zig. It seems like that you have to realize in your life that when, when you start zagging before you're zigging, sometimes it's a move of the Spirit of God. 
It's just that people rewrite history. And I remember with Hillsong that the, the, the very first church plant that they, that they did that wasn't, um, that wasn't uh, a, 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 something that just happened, like an accident, like Hillsong London was an accident. It wasn't a deliberate church plant of Hillsong. Uh, in Kiev, it wasn't a deliberate. The first deliberate plant that they did where they raised hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, was in Milan. It was Hillsong Milan. And nobody, no one knows about Hillsong Milan. It's because it failed. It didn't succeed. Nothing happened in Milan. They pumped hundreds of thousands of dollars into it. But it, it didn't succeed, so they eradicate from history. But the, the, the truth is that you'll never have a Hillsong Melbourne without having a Hillsong Milan. That no matter how people, much people write it out from history, that, that, that failure is part of the course for success. And sometimes you need to realize that, that you're not failing, you're on your way to succeeding. That there's a precursor to success and it's failure. And you know, you know when, when, when you're in primary school, you had a bicycle and you used to come home with scrapes on your legs. It, you, would, you didn't fail at cycling, you actually succeeded at adventure. And the reason why God hasn't made us robots is so that we come into the new prosperity, which is the spirit of adventure. It's taking the ship out into the high seas. It's discovering distant lands, new lands, new, new, to conquer new, new territory for the kingdom of God. But, you know, when you see a shipwreck, don't think, hey, that's the sign of a failure. A shipwreck is the sign of somebody with dreams and visions. Somebody that attempted to leave the harbors of life. Somebody that attempted to go out into the high seas and just the, the Columbus spirit to, to discover new lands of conquest for the kingdom of God. It's only a failure if the captain's still crying beside the hull of the ship. But if the captain's left the hull of the ship and he's back in the harbor of life and he's building a new boat, then we've got the measure of success. And all he needs to do is get up, just brush himself down and start again. And, and each one of you in this room needs to do exactly the same. Just, you just need to get up, shoulders back, chest out, brush yourself down, have a break, have a Kit Kat. And then go again. Just don't, don't stay in the land of self-pity. It's okay to cry for yourself for a couple of hours or a couple of days. But don't make a, don't make a, a platform for self-pity. It's a cul-de-sac. It's not a freeway that leads anywhere. Feel sorry for yourself for a moment. And, and then get up. Brush yourself down and, and go again. I... I, I, I um, you know, 50% of all your failure is not actually failure anyway. There's, there's World Cup manias. Uh, I don't know if it's reached this part of Australia yet, but in the rest of the world, it's, the world's going crazy with the Qatar World, world Cup. But uh, the second greatest cup in, in uh, soccer, in football, is, um, is the Euro Cup. It's uh, Euro 16, Euro 20. I think it's every four years or so. But in Euro 16, um, something phenomenal happened. Um, Iceland were in the competition. And Iceland beat, um, this is in the, in the top eight, they beat uh, England, I think by 2-1, something like that. And, and England always loses, right? 
they've got a mindset we're going to lose, right? They don't mind if Australia wins because they're like Australia's like the grandchild, you know. So so in cricket, no one complains Australia winning against England, you know. It's in the mindset of Granddad England, and uh, and then and then Iceland went on to to play in the quarterfinals, went on to play against France, and they lost against France, right? But they got to the quarterfinals of the European Cup, right? Here's my question for you. Uh, did they fail when they played against France? Was it really a failure? They got into the quarterfinals. Now, let me give you a population difference, right? Iceland is a population of 300,000. France is like a population of 67 million. So when they lost against France, did they really lose against France? Or, or, or is Iceland the most successful team in all of soccer history? To come from a town of 300,000 and to play against Great Britain of 65 million people and win, and win. Everybody hates Iceland because of the, the dust cloud that happened a number of years ago where all the planes were grounded. And now, because they're so good at football, but they come from a tiny island. And I think sometimes if you were to review your history, that a lot of your failure wasn't actually failure. It was actually a great success. Nobody knows the, 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 the location which you started off in. Nobody knows the, the name of the broken street that you were born in. Nobody knows that the, 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 the obstacles and, and the knolls and the mountains and the hills and the valleys of disorder that you've had to, that you've had to rake through and you've had to walk through. Nobody knows the broken glass of the relationships that you've been through that you've had to walk across broken grass. Nobody knows about the drowning incident where you almost drowned, you almost lost your life in getting to 2022. Nobody knows your history. Only God knows the true history and the true terrain that you've had to overcome. You are more successful than you could ever realize. It's just that, it's just that. It's just there's a spirit over the place that wants you to feel like a failure and wants you to lose your mojo and lose your fat boom. Sometimes you want to put on a good suit and you want to preach like you're a million dollars. Sometimes you ought to speak into the world around about you that I'm not a failure. I'm actually a success in the making. I'm actually part of the team of Iceland called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Now, am I preaching great or is this brilliant? Let me suggest it's brilliant, right? Because you want to put on your new suit. You, you, want, to, you want to get up. You do want to brush yourself down. And you, you do want to go again. You know, when a toddler falls over, is a toddler failing, failing in walking? When it falls, yeah, the toddler falls over a thousand times, 10,000 times, it trips up. But is it really failing or is it the sign of a great attempt? Is it, is it actually on its way to walking and on its way to running? And is it on its way to the Olympics? Is it on its way to being the next Usain Bolt? The answer is yes, it is. But it starts off with wobbly legs. It starts off with, with unable to put one foot after the next, but, but it's actually the precursor to walking. And walking's the precursor to running, and running's the precursor to winning Olympic medals. You're on your way, church, One Heart Church. You're on your way to amazing success. 
Stop, stop thinking. Stop cursing failure. You want to make failure your friend. You want to realize that everybody fails. You want to realize that, that it's actually, you're actually, if you fail, you're actually closer to success than you've been in the history of life. I, I remember uh, the, the, a story about um, the story about the Edis, Thomas Edison. And uh, he, he invented the first battery. He invented the first power station. He invented the first record player. He, he invented uh, the first light bulb, huge inventor. And, uh, and he used to take over. He, he had an industrial laboratory. And it was in Mel, it's called Melno Park. And it was across from New York, uh, from Manhattan in New Jersey, right? But they reckon when he was inventing stuff, right? He used to be on the second floor or the third floor of this building. He's inventing stuff, right? And instead of having a skip, you know what a skip is? Where a bloke comes and drops off a metal container. And then he, he thought, I, I, this is pre-skip day. So he just chucked stuff out the window. And they reckon you knew where he was working because stuff was being chucked out of the window. And they reckon that, that, that whenever he had a period of time working in a part of the factory, there was a mound of stuff, like, two, like a story high outside that window. Same with your life. That there's a mound of stuff outside the window of your life. It's, it's, that's not the sign of failure. It's the sign of an inventor. It's a sign that an entrepreneur is at work. The, these, are, these are broken dreams thrown out the window. The, these, are, these are things that didn't work. These are, these are great attempts that didn't go anywhere. But the mound is a sign, it's a symbol that there's an Edison inside the building. And you know, you might have a mound of broken relationships. Nobody goes into a relationship deliberately to break it. So a broken relationship is the sign a lover of people once walked past these parts. Every one of us has got a mound of people that are, that are dysfunction relationships, people we don't talk to anymore. There's a mound of, and we can sort of think, gosh, look, I'm really bad at relationships. No, 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 every person was a sign that you're actually a lover of people. The, the, what you, the only thing you can do now is either expand your world or retract your world. I, I remember Ed Sheeran uh, saying in an interview that he's the most successful singer-songwriter of all time. I, you know, maybe outside of Elton John, but an absolute legend. I think his, his, uh, his, his greatest song, I've forgotten the name of it, it's had like three and a half billion downloads, you know. And yet, and yet Ed Sheeran says, I've just got five friends. Because he's narrowed himself down to five consistent friends. And he's decided to go the opposite direction to the spirit of One Heart Church. He's decided to retract his world down to a successful world, but a small world. And it's easy to be successful, have one BFF. It's easy to be successful, have no more friends from now on. It's easy to be successful. Don't attempt to ever take a boat out onto the waters to discover new territory. Don't ever do it. Just live within the four walls of your house and you'll be an incredible success. You know, it's because Ed Sheeran has been hurt by so many different people. So he thought, instead of being hurt, I'm going to retract my world down to five people that are all listed on a song called Castle on the Hill. And, and that's the way he lives his life. He's protected himself against failure. And at the same time, he's protected himself against, uh, against fruitful, brilliant future relationships that would have taken place if he hadn't have self-protected. What he needed to do was he needed to get up. He needed to brush himself down of the failure of relationships. And he just needed to start again. He just needed to go again. Most churches are too successful because they've stopped being entrepreneurial. 
Most entrepreneurs have to fail in order to succeed. You, you know how, how it goes, but most churches and most apostolic, how do you know there's an apostolic church around? Because it's failing all the time, because it's got the spirit of success upon it, because it doesn't fear failure, because it actually wants to win, and it doesn't quite know the course. The Bible says, so you see it in the morning, so you see it at night, because you just don't know which will succeed, whether this or that, or both does equally well. It, this is not a precise science following the Lord Jesus Christ. This is more like a compass in the hand, and let's give it a go but you want to have a give it a go spirit and while I'm saying that you want that spirit to fill your hearts from now on a give it a go spirit you don't want to become that protected small group of people that now protects yourself against future hurts you want to become an apostolic church that takes out all the boundaries of fear runs with faith and plots a course of potential failure because in amongst the failure is, 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 the, is the golden egg of success and it's out there, but you have to fail to succeed. Is this good or is this excellent? Uh, let me suggest it's excellent because it's, it's the right spirit that each one of you needs to put on. You want to you brush yourself down. You want shoulders back. Come on, one heart, shoulders back. You want to, you want to, you want to live like you're a lottery winner. You want to live like you've got the winning, the, winning, the winning numbers. You want to live like God's word will not return void, but will accomplish that for which it's sent. You want to live like you're the right person in the right place at the right time. You want to, you want to live hand-selected by God for such a time as this. A reporter went up to Thomas Edison and, uh, and said, um, you know, you've been trying to create a light bulb for a long time now. Uh, do you feel like a failure? Because you haven't come up with a light bulb, right? And, uh, and there's, there's like 9,000 attempts. And he's still not created a light bulb. He, he, he says, well, why? He says, why should I feel like a failure? I now know that there's 9,000 ways that a light bulb doesn't work. He said, I'm closer now to creating the light bulb than ever before. Some of you are five minutes before a miracle. Some of you are, are, are one dump out of the window outside of creating something that's going to light up cities in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, you might think this is not rocket science because I'm not here to bring rocket science. I'm here to say, get up, brush yourself down and go again. Because I think it was 10,000 attempts that he finally created the light bulb. The light bulb has changed humanity. It's, changed, it's allowed people to live at night and not just sleep at night. It's allowed people to have extra time in their day. It's the most incredible invention, but he got there by a series of failures. Now, let me, let me draw it in scripture-wise, and, and let, me read, let me read a couple of verses, because Jesus actually prophesied failure. And it's in Mark chapter 4, or he prophesied that failure was on the course for success. And it's in Mark chapter 4, verse 3 to 9, and this is what Jesus says, right? He says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell uh, along the path and the birds came along and ate it up some a seed fell in rough places where it didn't have much soil it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow but when it came up the plants were scorched and they were withered because they had no no roots other seed fell amongst thorns which grew and choked the plants so they didn't bear grain still some seed fell on come on church 
Some seed fell on good soil and it came up, it grew and produced a crop. Some multiplying, let's start with 30 times, says the inspired Jesus. Let's move up to 60 times and then let's move up to 100 times that which is sown. That's the spirit of revival. That's when God plants a seed. He's prophesying not 10 times return on it. The minimum is 30 times return on it. For those who get up, brush themselves down and continue to walk along the path like a farm. How do you know a farmer's around? Because there's loose seed everywhere. Some of you are trying to be too tidy, too perfectionist. Some of you are trying to, trying to retract your life instead of realizing that the generosity of farmer is some seed falls on hard soil some seed falls on overcrowded soil some seed falls on shallow soil but a majority of the seed is if you don't give up a majority of the seed lands on good soil and it produces a crop minimum this is your future one heart church minimum 30 times maximum 100 times and i suggest 100 is symbolic of mega mega times if you get up brush yourself down don't stop keep on going now i've just got a couple of points from this number one success depends on where you draw the line you know it seems to me that jesus was a failure probably all through his ministry because he's the greatest leader he's the greatest he's the greatest man he's the greatest person who's ever lived and 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 yet when it came to a day before the cross or even on the cross that that even on the cross, there may be a couple of, his mum was there. You, and that's what you'd expect your mum to be there if you're on the cross. But no one, no one else was there. You know, when you take Jesus Christ 40 days after the cross, he'd, he'd appeared to 500 people, which is small compared to someone who's here to, to, to be a Genghis Khan, who's here to, to be a Napoleon, who's here to change planet Earth. He'd only seen 500 people had borne witness to Jesus Christ. His disciples are a motley group of people. But the problem that, that I've just declared to you is I've drawn the line in the wrong place. If you drew it 51 days after the cross and the resurrection, you'll find Peter getting up. And you'll find that he's standing up and declaring the gospel to thousands of people. And 3,000 people got saved in a single encounter. All I did was, was move the line by one day it's the same with your lives just let's move the line if you move the line to 2,000 years after that incident to today billions of people have been saved on planet earth through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did upon the cross he's the most successful man that's ever walked the face of planet earth but all I did was move the line a couple of thousand years I'd suggest you move the line when I uh, was um as a youth pastor, uh, when I was 27 years of age, I thought, Dave, you've, I, I think you've got the power of, of healing and you've got the gift of healing. And, and I had a dream of becoming a, a, an international healing evangelist. And so I thought the best place to start is right now. And so I pulled up my, my, Nis, my blue Nissan uh, sunbird or something. Is that right? Sunny bird, sunbird. And uh, outside a doctor's surgery. And I thought the best place to start healing ministry is right here, right now. And so I thought I got out of the car, you know, braved it, walked into the surgery. to, And I was expecting to find 30 people there sitting there all sick and injured. And I'd be the great healing evangelist. This is where Reinhard Gilpin would start, right? 
and there was one guy in there, right? And, and so I thought, he's the guy. So I went up to him, I said, listen, I think I, I'm a Christian. Uh, Jesus Christ can heal. Jesus Christ can touch your life. Uh, what's wrong with you? He said, there's nothing wrong with me. He said, I'm just waiting for my wife. She's in seeing the doctor. And so that was the start and that was the end of my healing ministry. And, but you know, it was like 30 years ago, my wife and I hopped on an airplane and went to Sheffield in the depressed heart of the United Kingdom where only 1% of people goes to church or goes to any form of religious institution. We set up camp there and we, we camped there for 29 years and, and, and eventually after, after we, we regained our momentum with Manchester, then we started, we planted a church in Leeds, in Newcastle, in Birmingham, in London, in Frankfurt, in Ghana, in Malaysia, in Kuala Lumpur, etc. And um, I, just, I just lost my point there for a second. Hang on a sec. Here's my point that you won't have a Sheffield without having a Sunnybank. And the same spirit that created Sunnybank is the same spirit that took us to Sheffield. Sunnybank's not a failure. Sunnybank contained the same gutsy spirit. It's just all I did in the years in between the two incidences was that I just got up, brushed myself down, and just started again. I've got to finish, but I'll just give a couple, just a couple more points. And, and um, number two, failure is a kind, it's a kind of success. You know, Hebrews eleven six says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God, because he who uh, comes to God must believe that He is, and He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Let me, let me, let me kind of conclude on my greatest failure. Uh, my greatest failure, well, there's been quite a few that have matched this, right? But this is one of them, right? Is that I had this idea of starting a ministry called Mega Babe. And the ministry was, was for women to come down from the local estate and uh, to have a clothing exchange. And in that clothing exchange, we get to know a lot of uh, people from broken backgrounds. And, and they could make some money, we could make some money. And, and, but the whole thing was a disaster from the very beginning because a really cheap discount like a Kmart store was built opposite, right? So that took away all the potential trade. And, uh, and then secondly, I don't know if this, if they were a trans person, I don't know whether a transvestite, I don't know whether they were just a cross-dresser, but, but this person came in and was trying on all the women's clothing for like an hour or two every day. And this is, this is pre uh, our minds being blown to, to today's culture. And so a lot of the Christian girls that work in there didn't want to work there anymore. So we lost our labor force, right? And eventually I had, uh, you know, eventually I had to pack it up, right? And um, I think thirdly, everyone thought that the mega babe was either for, for, for babies or for very large women, right? It, just everything about it was a disaster. But I, I know, and I've prepped this between me and God, that when I get to heaven, I'll stand next to Reinhard Bonnke and God will say, hey, take away his trucks of success, right? Because it's well done, good and faithful servant, not well done, good and successful servant. Success belongs to God. God will reward Reinhardt for his faithfulness to the course that God had mapped out for him. He'll reward me for faithfulness for the, to run the race that God had mapped out for me. And it's the same for each one of you, that there's one race that God's mapped out. I'll talk about that in, in the second service this morning. 
big, the big, huge DVD screen in heaven will start operating. There'll be nothing there pre-20 years of age because I got saved at 20 at Sydney University studying, studying civil engineering. Then it'll be a bit blotchy because I had a blotchy time the first couple of years, right? But on it, will, will, all of a sudden, will be a sign called Megabate. And I'll go into old English, like, what is, what is this, uh, Lordeth? Megababeth? You know, I'll, I'll start to be a little bit, you know, uh, trying to be falsely humble. And he'll say, Dave, the... Uh, it is, it's the mega babe sign. I'm saying, Lord, why, why would you want to reward me for mega babe? He said, well, firstly, when you came up with the idea, thank you for causing us to laugh for two and a half years in heaven. Because when you come up with the idea around the boardroom, it was such a dumb idea that we, we knew it would fail, but we knew the spirit of Gilpin was in it. And we love the spirit of Gilpin love your heart so so michael come and bring another crown for gilpin because it was the sign it was a sign of a great attempt the spirit of success within it it was misdirected but the spirit of it was true you know the next thing we did for women was was we we started a house for women with life controlling issues and the police used to come round to the door knock on the door with women that have been rescued from brothels have been human trafficked into great britain and eventually we got the contract one of the contracts for human trafficking uh in great britain a government contract and by the time we left the united kingdom the previous five years we'd housed 600 women and a few men who had been trafficked into the country and we had rehabilitated through outreach over 3,000 survivors of human trafficking. It's called City Hearts. But you know what I'm about to say, don't you? Now listen, listen, because I've got to finish, right? You never get a, you'll never get a City Hearts unless you have a mega babe. You've you, you got to get rid of your fear of failing. You have, to, you have to do that. You can't keep walking, narrowing your life down, thinking, well, I'm a failure and, and I'm not going to ever fail again. That's the worst thing you could ever say is I'm not going to fail. Jesus prophesied, some seed falls on hard. Some seed falls on shallow. Some seed falls on overcrowded. But the majority of the seed, if you keep on going, the majority of the seed falls on good soil the minimum is 30 times the maximum is 100 times come on stand up right now stand up brush yourself down Uh uh-huh brush the dust off even brush the dust of rejection off just hoping your eyes for a sec. I've got some uh, some resources here. This is my wife's book called Prophesy. It's 84 fire starters to a fresh devotional life with God. Here's my book. It's called The Hit Factory. And the small print on it is the next you is the next big thing. It all starts with you. It's an incredible book that. Here's my book, The Truth Diet, 181 Nuggets of Strength in a Spiritual World. What you've been experiencing is spiritual opposition and you need spiritual wisdom from God. There's 181 of them there. This is my book. It's called The Mind Map. I've drawn a map of the Christian's mind. The skyline of your mind will determine the skyline of your future. And this is my wife's book called She Is. And it's a coffee table devotional book that is available afterwards. And this is my book, Sacred Cows Make Great Bugs. 
barbecues that's available for you. Uh, there's a whole pack out there. It's actually grab now, grab and go. You can you can transfer money in the next 24 hours or so, so you don't need to actually purchase it now. Let me say I've enjoyed talking to you this morning, and I can't wait to come back again and uh, just keep on getting up, brushing yourself down, and starting again in Jesus' name. See you later. Thank <laughs> you.